0: Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Jesus said, Occupy till I come. Occupy till I come. He didn't say, Take pride in debating with each other over styles of worship till I come. No! And a million, no. He said, Occupy till I come.
1: How many times have you read a verse where Jesus is speaking? and mumbled to yourself, I wonder what he meant by that. Welcome to Leading the Way and a new series from Dr. Michael Yusuf called What Did Jesus Mean? Coming up today, Luke chapter 19, Occupy Until I Come. What did Jesus mean by that powerful statement and what does it mean to me today? Listen with me as Dr. Yusuf begins.
0: What does the imminent return of Christ Due to us, how is the imminent return of Christ motivates us in our lives, in our Christian walk? And believers have been impacted both ways regarding the question of the imminent return of Christ. Does it motivate us to work hard, give sacrificially, give of ourselves, be faithful, and be busy for the work of God, not just for the sake of being busy Or does it motivate us to put on white robes and head for the mountains, as some people do? You know, history is full of examples of both groups. There is John Wesley, for example, who believed in the imminent return of Christ. And yet, the imminent return of Christ for John Wesley was a motivator to work day and night, up at 3 o'clock in the morning, in prayer for hours... On a horseback, traveled millions of miles preaching the gospel because he believed that the imminent return of Christ should motivate us to work as hard as we can, grab every opportunity God gives us, do all that we can because of the imminent return of Christ. On the other hand, Dr. J. Edwin Orr, who a, was a dear friend of mine, went to be with the Lord, one of the great historians of all times, who is an expert on history of revival in America and around the world, gives us examples of the other way. For example, he tells us that back in 1843, in New England, in the United States, there was a man by the name of William Miller. William Miller lived in New England. And he pronounced to his followers that he had studied the scripture. That he had calculated methodically all the prophecies in Ezekiel and in Daniel. And that he worked hard and worked diligently. And he came up with the date of the return of the Lord was going to be March 21. 1843. And so they worked, they prayed, they got themselves ready, they put on white robes, and they headed to the mountains. You say, why the mountains? They said, because it makes the distance between them and catching the Lord up in in the cloud shorter. (laughs) So when that date came and gone, nothing happened. They came back to the jeering and the mockery of their neighbors. Within a few days, Mr. Miller announced that he made a terrible mistake. He miscalculated the data that he looked at, and he found that he made a mistake about one year. And so, for 365 days, they just waited for that day. And then on that day, they put on the white robes and headed to the tops of the trees. And when that day came and gone, and nothing happened, many of them not only left Mr. Miller, they left the faith altogether. In fact, Dr. Orr tells us that whenever such a fixing-of-date movement that takes place in the United States through that history, they're always followed by a fallen away from the faith. And some of you say, "Well, you know, Michael, that was 1843 and 44. That couldn't happen today." Well, some of you will remember the '80s. Remember the '80s? <laughs> there was a book that sold 5 million copies in the United States alone. I don't know how many millions are sold overseas. And it was 88 reason as to why Jesus Christ is coming back in September 1988. And so September 88 came and gone. And then the author took a page from Mr. Miller. And he announced, if you remember that, that he made a mistake. He miscalculated by one year, and is going to be 89, not 88. Why am I taking time of telling you all this? To at least two examples of history. This fixing of dates for the return of Christ is designed to take our eyes off our goal. This fixing of dates is designed to divert our attention from our call in Jesus Christ. This fixing of date is designed to distract us from God's work and from doing God's work now, at this very moment. This fixing of dates is designed to pull us away from following the mandate that Jesus gave us. What is the mandate? Well, simply put, in Luke 19.13, Jesus said, Occupy till I come. This is in the King James Translation. Occupy till I come. Back in the 1600s when they were translating, they used the word that has Latin and French roots. Succupé, which means to be busy. It means to be occupied, doing something. It means to do business till I come. It means to work hard till I come. It means to give His work, His kingdom, His gospel, my full attention until He comes. And so now I want you to turn with me to Luke 19, beginning at verse 13. Luke 19. What is the context here? Well, it's a story that Jesus tells. He was the greatest storyteller of all times. And we have the greatest stories. And in verse 12, Jesus said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then returned. By the way... This is not a fictional thing. This was happening actually during the time of Jesus. Herod went to Rome. And at that time, he was being appointed a king by Caesar. And then he came back. And so many of the things that Jesus tells here in the story were actually happening before their eyes. So they were relating to what he's saying. So he called ten of his servants. And he gave them ten minas. Well, what is that? It is... Equivalent to three months' wages. That's what it is. He gave them equivalent to three months' wages. Quarter of a year's salary. And he gave it to them and he said, put this money to work or occupy till I come. Or invest this money until I come. The rest of the story says that many of the citizens revolted against the king and they were taken into judgment. But for those who have received the money, the believers, the believers, those ten, some of them worked hard and invested wisely. They invested what was entrusted to them very carefully and very methodically. They worked hard. They watched over it. But some did not. And while the story does not tell us about what happened with all the 10, Jesus chooses only three: the first, the second and the third. What is Jesus trying to tell us here? Something of vital importance. Jesus is trying to tell us, by stopping with three, is that there are only two possible categories of Christians. No third. There are two possible categories of believers. Those who occupied themselves with God's work during their lifetime and those who didn't. Those who worked hard for the Lord and those who didn't. Those who took advantage of every opportunity that God gave them so to make sure that the gospel is preached to the end of the earth and those who didn't. Those who have been faithful with God's blessings and resources and those who were not. Those who had given of themselves so freely and those who did not. Those who served God with all their heart and with all their soul and those who did not. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us here. So the first one comes in and he returns 100% on the investment. The second one gets 50% return on the investment. And the poor beggar, the third one, comes in with only the principal amount of money. No interest whatsoever. No interest whatsoever. Now, beloved, I want you to listen to me. I want you to listen to me very carefully, okay? I want to tell you, on the authority of God's Word, and I'm going to prove it to you from God's Word, that in heaven, there are going to be only two categories of Christians. Those who will receive rewards, and those who will get in there by the skin of their teeth. Now, how do I know this? Well, listen to what Paul said to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter... Three. Here's what the Apostle Paul said. For no one can lay any foundation other than that the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means that everyone who's going to make it to heaven. Everyone who's going to make it to heaven is going to make it on the foundation or on the basis of putting their faith in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as their only hope. That's the only foundation that will take you to heaven. Not because of good works. Not because you have tried harder. Not because you try to keep some holy days. Not because you kept some rules. Not by being busy for being busy's sake. No. Only one foundation. That's Jesus Christ. That's the only basis on which you and I or anybody else in the world is going to heaven. But when you get to heaven is a whole different story. That's what Paul is saying here. When you get to heaven, it's a whole different story. When you get to heaven, your reward is going to be based on the level of your faithfulness. When you get to heaven, you're going to receive rewards that are based on the level of your service for the kingdom. Your reward will be based on the level of your sacrificial giving of yourself for the work of the gospel. Your reward will be based on the level of the use of the opportunities that God had placed in your hands and before you. Your reward will be based on the level of the use of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that every believer has. And so, verse 12 of 1 Corinthians 3, Paul talks about that faithfulness, that service. Listen to what the word of God said. Is that if any man builds on this foundation using, and here are the building supplies, the quality of the buildings, building with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because The day will bring it to light. You say, how? He said, it will be revealed with fire. The fire is going to test that building that you are building every single day of your life as a believer. God is going to light a match to that building that you are building every single day. If it is gold and silver, if it is faithfulness and genuine work for the kingdom it's going to stand and becomes shiny like the sun but if it is nothing but taking and receiving and doing nothing for the kingdom is going to be nothing but a smoldering fire just ashes listen to me beloved Christians can talk all they want about the return of Christ. They can talk all they want about the last days. They can talk all they want about the end times. They can spend their lives calculating dates until they are blue in the face. If they have not taken the opportunities, and advantage of the opportunities that God has placed in their hands to serve the living God, to reach the lost in the world, to equip the believers, they will miss out on the rewards. Those who do nothing but partificate about end times on the last day are going to have nothing to show but a smoldering fire, burning ashes. And Jesus said, Occupy till I come. He didn't say calculate dates. He didn't say do a lot of talking with each other. He didn't say, hold hands and sing Kumbaya. There's nothing wrong with that. He just didn't say that. You notice he didn't say, fight among yourselves until I come. He didn't say, don't spend a minute in church longer than 60 minutes on Sunday morning. He didn't say, debate. The finer issues of theology till I come. He didn't say take pride in debating with each other over styles of worship till I come. No. And a million no. He said, occupy till I come. He said, do business till I come. He said, be diligent, work hard till I come. He said, be faithful with the gifts I've given you till I come. He said, share your blessings that I've given you until I come. Witness to your neighbor till I come. Tell others about me till I come. Disciple others till I come. Serve others till I come. Take advantage of the opportunities that are placed in your hands till I come. The question is, what do we do with the opportunities God has given us? Will we turn our back to it? You know, for the purpose of this message, I asked a few people, just, just out of interest, and what do you think of your reward? What do you think of your reward in heaven? Well, basically two categories of people, I summarized them, they were different reactions, but they basically come under two headings. One said, you know, I honestly never even thought about my rewards in heaven. That's fair enough, it's honest. A lot of Christians don't. They don't think about their reward. But then there was another reaction. Oh, shucks, I don't work for the Lord for reward. Now, that one is a little bit hypocritical because I want to tell you why. And if you did not know that, you'll know now. As far as Jesus is concerned, he wants you to work for reward. He does. Because here it is in the scripture. I'm going to show it to you clearly. You know, the Bible talks about five crowns. The Bible talks about the crown of the victor, 1 Corinthians 9.25. The Bible talks about the crown that is reserved for those who are soul winners, 1 Thessalonians 2.19. Then there is the crown of righteousness, 2 Timothy 4.8. There is the crown of life in James 1.12. There is the crown of glory, 1 Peter 5.4. And I am working for every one of those crowns. I make no bones about it. There is no shucks. I'm not working for the Lord. No, 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 no. Listen, Jesus said, those who will leave father or mother for my sake, they will be blessed in this life and in the life to come. I've got news for you. This false modesty about, oh, I don't serve the Lord. You're either not serving or doing anything because he wants you right from... Luke 19, he is telling you, he is telling me, we need to work for the kingdom, we work for the gospel, for a reward. Listen to what Hebrews 6.10 says. God is not unjust, he will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. He said, we want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Listen, all of us work hard in our jobs. I hope you are. I think it is absolutely incumbent upon a believer to work hard. Not just to please the boss because you're working for the living God. Your work, your hard work in your job is a testimony to your relationship with Christ. And I hope that we all work hard. Students studies hard before tests. Well, I hope so anyway. Businessmen and women, they do their due diligence before they sign a deal. Athletes work out hours every day so they'll be ready for the game. We all want to win in the game of life. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. I think there's everything right with that. I've never met anybody who says, Hey, Michael, I want to lose in the game of life. No, 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 no. There's something wrong with that person. We all want to win. And God created us that way. He wanted us to win. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as you do it honestly. So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying... You know how you work hard in your business and your work? Now I want you to work just as hard for my kingdom. He's not just talking to preachers. He's not talking to Sunday school teachers. He's talking to every believer. You know how you're passionate about your job, about your business? I want you to be just as passionate for the gospel. Let me tell I'll make no bones about it. That I serve the Lord and I put in the hours and I work hard. And because I want that reward. There is nothing in life, as far as I'm concerned, that can be greater to me than hearing those words from the lips of Jesus. Well done, good and faithful servant. Nothing. People can love me or hate me, I couldn't care less. People can listen or not listen, I couldn't care less. It's not the books that I've written or the sermons I've preached. I want to hear from the lips of Jesus. Well done, faithful servant. Faithful servant, that's all I want. And that's why even when I get physically exhausted, I keep on going because of my reward. Even when I'm attacked and criticized, I keep on going because of my reward. When others appear to be taking it easy, I work hard because I'm looking for that reward. When the devil tells me that you're not making any difference in the world, I keep on going because I'm looking forward to my reward. When others attack my zeal and fervor, I keep on going because I'm looking to that reward. When others misunderstand me and misjudge my motives for standing firm for the truth and pushing hard for the faith, I keep on going because I'm looking forward to that reward. My master has gone away and he said, occupy till I come. And whether he comes first or I go to see him first makes no difference to me. But I can tell you that he ain't going to find me in a white robe. Doesn't suit me anyway. (laughs) He ain't going to find me on a mountain or a treetop. He's going to find me either behind this pulpit, behind a microphone, behind a desk, ministering to somebody serving in some way because jesus said occupy till i come occupy till i come i was thinking in this just last couple of weeks as i saturate my mind over this message in the word of god and and i asked myself what is really my deepest longing my deepest longing I long for the believers to say, Michael, I want to lay down and put down all the pity jealousies. I want to put down all the silly arguments. I I want to lay down all the fragile egos. I want to put down self-serving maneuvers. I I want to put down self-comfort. I I want to put down insecurities of all kinds. I'll lay them aside gladly for Jesus' sake so that I can work diligently for the gospel. Because Jesus said, Occupy till I come.
1: Passionate words today on Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. Listen on the radio, online, through the Leading the Way app and with your smart speakers. Learn about these and other ways to engage at ltw.org. When you visit that website, take a moment to look at the ways you can connect even further. For example, if you'd like to have a Jesus conversation with someone, Leading the Way is here for you. Just add Jesus to that website and go directly to ltw.org slash Jesus. If you're spiritually resolved but desire to grow deeper, sign up for a couple of free resources that Dr. Yusuf sends out regularly. Daily, get My Devotional, a look at a Bible verse with a practical direction from Dr. Yusuf to help root and grow it in your life today. And monthly, get My Journal. This is a challenging magazine that guides you deeper into some of the on-air studies and offers great thoughts from Dr. Yusuf and the leadership team. Check out these and more when you go to ltw.org connect. Oh, and you can always speak to a ministry representative and they can get you hooked up with any of those resources and more when you call 1-300-133-589. 133 589 Thanks so much for joining us today. Do it again next time as Dr. Yusuf passionately proclaims uncompromising truth.